You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. The last week in Indiana basketball, obviously, was not a good one, as the Hoosiers fall to Louisville and then drop their second straight home game to Wisconsin in a game that featured an awful beginning and, in many ways, an even worse end. And so, unfortunately, it is our job to discuss these games with you here on Assembly Call Radio, uh, but also to look ahead, and we will do all of that on this week's edition. I am your host, Jared Morris. Uh, Excited to talk some IU basketball this week with you, uh, and also with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com and if you can't listen live no worries just search for assembly call wherever you listen to podcasts and you will find us so i'm going to begin this week's show as we begin every post game show and that is with our hoosier proud banner moment the moment during the past week that most strongly suggested that indiana is on the right path to hang banner number six from the rafters in simon scott assembly hall uh, a notion that sounds a little bit laughable after what we saw this week And especially when you consider what last week's banner moment was, which for me was Robert Johnson admitting that the team thought that the Nebraska game would be a little bit easier than it ended up being. And I thought that this might lead Indiana to coming out with a better mentality, which certainly didn't happen against Wisconsin. Um, And so I'm going to lean on really the only positive that came out of that game, Indiana's most recent game, and that is Deron Davis, because right now he's been better on both offense and defense than Thomas Bryant, uh, with the only really positive there being that Thomas seems to play a little bit better with Duran on the floor. But, you know, the bottom line that we've seen and we've discussed several times is that we've got a good player in Duran Davis. And so perhaps those two playing together more will emerge as an important trend uh, from here on out, because obviously the three guard lineup hasn't really been working. So kudos to Duran for a nice game against Wisconsin, really the only positive to grasp onto from this previous week for Indiana. All righty, well, let me introduce my esteemed co-host to my left. We have the host of Bracketology.fm and the world's number one ranked bracketologist, according to Bracketmatrix.com. He also remains, still, the proud president of the Robert Johnson fan club, despite some uh, subpar shooting from Robert recently. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, welcome. What was your Bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, to steal a line from Office Space, uh, not great, Bob, would be the uh, way I'd go on that. I think, uh, you know, I, I continue to feel, and I think that's where we've become frustrated at times on the on the postgame show in that, you know, so many of these mistakes are just repeated over and over. And, and even postgame comments you mentioned uh, before, you know, what Robert Johnson said after the Nebraska game, Juwan Morgan said something kind of similar after the Wisconsin game, after the, you know, the really slow start. And, uh, that certainly wasn't a case of taking them lightly, but if you knew that you, you know, had gotten off to these poor starts as they've done uh, pretty often against tougher competition, um, something has to change. And yet, you feel like um, the only thing changing is the the kind of revolving door of lineups and things like that, as opposed to 
you know, the mindset and, and those kinds of things. And, and this team has to figure out a way to pull out of this. And, and last year's team never let one loss turn into two. This one has let uh, one loss turn into two, turn into three. And, and now they have to figure out how to pull out of that tailspin before it's too late. And so, you know, that's really what I'll be watching for uh, starting Saturday against Illinois uh, and, and to figure out if they can actually do that. Do we see changes defensively? Do we see changes in intensity? Do we see changes in lineups that are, um, different and more consistent than what we've seen because what's uh, been going on these last four games against the tougher competition, so throwing out the Delaware State and Austin P games, what's going on these last four games is clearly not working, and we're seeing the same mistakes over and over again from a turnover perspective, uh, from an awareness perspective on defense, and, and, uh, and le- until that starts to change, the results are just going to be more of the same. And to my right, we have a man who would like to remind you that he was touting Deron Davis's ability well before you were, a columnist for TheBigLead.com and someone who might now order two expensive fillets at Yonkos on Friday night just to spite me. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, welcome. What is your rant from the past week in IU basketball? I mean, you got to have one to take home, right, with the fillets? <laughs> That's, I mean, Absolutely. isn't that what we're doing? I, I, how was I, I, I don't know. Uh, seemed pretty standard to me. I don't know. Um you know, I I talked about this on the post game show, and and I don't want to seem like I'm just piling on somebody, but uh, Thomas Bryant, uh, he's not playing to his level. I think that's that's pretty obvious, uh, especially given what Deron Davis was able to do against Wisconsin. Uh, right now, physically and from a experience standpoint and everything, Thomas Bryant's a better player than Deron Davis, or should be but he's not playing like it. Um, and, and I know, I know, I know Thomas wants to show a diverse skill set, you know, with his perimeter game and everything, but he wanders on the perimeter far too much when he just needs to plant his behind in the paint and, and go to work. And when he does that, he's successful and he can dominate games. And, and the evidence that that has not been the case this year is the fact that he's scoring fewer points than he was last year. He's, he's averaging, and it's only 0.2 points, but he's averaging 0.2 points fewer than he did as a freshman in more minutes. Uh, his field goal percentage is down from 68.3% to 51.9%. Uh, when you're 6'10 and 260 pounds and as, as skilled as Thomas Bryant is, that's unacceptable. And, and if he's an All-American and if he wants to be a first-round NBA draft pick, he's got to start playing like it. And, and, and it's really hurting Indiana that he can't follow that example of Deron Davis and just plant his behind in the paint and go to work because there is nobody in the Big Ten Conference who can stop this kid when he's playing the way he's supposed to play. And, and right now we're not seeing Thomas Bryant play smart and we're not seeing him play winning basketball. And, and, and when he's your best all around player uh, and, and the one guy you should be able to look to, to come through in the clutch and he's not playing the way he should, that's going to kill you. And, and there are plenty of problems with this Indiana team, but number one should be, you need to be able to count on your star and against a Wisconsin team that had nobody that could stop him. He scored six points. And that at home, that is unacceptable. And and I think we all agree with that. I think that six points and three rebounds against a team that had nobody that could slow him down. Uh, Ethan Happ's a great player. Thomas Bryant should have dominated him. And uh, so I think if, th- if that's the key for Indiana to turn this around is Thomas Bryant playing like Thomas Bryant and, and rising to the occasion and being a leader on the floor and being selfish and demanding the basketball um, he, he's a great kid. He's very unselfish. He's very team focused, 
but sometimes you need to be a leader and be selfish and demand the ball and demand the ball in a place where you can do the most damage. And that's not beyond the three point line for Thomas Bryant. All right. Well, we have a great show planned for you this week. In our next segment, we're going to take Tom Crane to task for the Wisconsin loss because there were several decisions that still have us scratching our head. We're also going to identify what we each think is the single biggest thing that needs to change for Indiana to get its season turned around. And in our final segment, we'll take a look ahead to the games this week against Illinois and Maryland. How likely is it that Indiana can get some wins in these games and start to build some positive momentum? And we'll also, of course, offer our reasonable predictions uh, and tell you how we did last week, which, again, wasn't good. Uh, All of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. First, I do want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com, because if you consider yourself a Hoosier, and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their product so much that we moved production of our assembly called Logo T-shirts to Hoosier Proud because they produce high-quality work, they care about their customers, and they take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. So check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code AC to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All right, well, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And we are excited to let you all know that this weekend we are going to be in Bloomington. So none of us live in Bloomington, uh, for those of you who don't know. uh, But we try to make an annual pilgrimage up there. And so we will be at the Illinois game this week. We'll be hanging out at Yogi's in Bloomington afterwards. So if you're around, we would love to see you. We'd love to, to meet you. That's why we like to come up once a year, in addition to, of course, going and seeing a game. And uh, we didn't anticipate that we would be coming up there as, you know, hopefully the slump busters for Indiana. But that's uh, that's the role that we're taking on, and we're happy to uh, to take it on. So we'll be cheering loudly and proudly at Simon Scott Assembly Hall. Uh, Andy, what is the thing that you're most looking forward to as we uh, get ready to travel to Bloomington this weekend? Oh, uh, boy. Well, I mean, obviously seeing Ryan is right at the top of the list, as uh, as I'm sure is the case with you. But uh, Even no, after was, he threatened to choke you on the postgame show? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just the kind of person I am, my, you know, I'm, I'm bigger, I'm, I'm the bigger man. I mean, not physically, clearly, but, uh, <laughs> so, well, <laughs> no, we'll see. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to hanging out with you guys. Obviously looking forward to going to the game. Uh, it, it's certainly taken on a, a whole new, uh, side of importance for IU in, in that regard. And, uh, obviously having a, a beer or two at Nick's and, and then Yogi's again after the game is always, uh, always something to look forward to to get back to campus. Don't know how much walking around the campus, uh, I'll be doing given the, given the projected temperatures, but, uh, Always nice to get back to Bloomington. I'm a little bit closer than you guys, which is uh, makes it a little bit easier and, and a little bit more frequent a trip for me. But uh, looking forward to, to seeing you guys and hopefully seeing how you get back on the right track, which after this past week I think is uh, is perhaps the most important thing there because I don't know that we want to be there uh, in the aftermath of a fourth straight loss. Uh, I'm not sure what might, uh, what might be happening on campus at that point. No, that would not be good. Ryan, what are you most looking forward to being back in your old stomping grounds? Uh, I mean, I got in, uh, last night, uh, woke up and it's snowing. So clearly I'm not welcome here. Uh, (laughs) but no, I just, you know, being around town, seeing, seeing the campus, checking out the new media school, uh, getting a tour that, uh, later today, hopefully, uh, checking out the new assembly hall, uh, you know, a couple different, you know, seeing all the new stuff. I mean, Bloomington constantly changing as a college town and it's always cool to, to, to check out, uh, you know, the different uh, changes that have gone on around campus. 
All righty. Well, yeah, and I'm, I, I just can't wait to be there. It's always great to be back in Bloomington. So, again, uh, if you're going to be there, let us know. You can tweet us at assemblycall or send me an email, jared at assemblycall.com, because we uh, we'd love to see if you're going to be there. All right, coming up, let's get back. Let's turn our attention back to the Wisconsin game. I know as painful as it is, uh, but we need to do that, and we need to, to take Tom Crean to task for some decisions uh, throughout that game, especially at the beginning of the second half and the end that really did not help Indiana. That's next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, as much as we don't want to, uh, let's reflect a little bit on that IU-Wisconsin game. A game, obviously, that started out really poorly, ended really poorly. And it's kind of amazing when you think about that, to think about the fact that Indiana actually had a lead at one point in the second half. And it really felt like they were going to get over the hump and come back and get that must win. But there were some decisions in the second half that Tom Crean made in particular that really seemed to, to almost be counterproductive to the goal of winning uh, in some ways. One of those was starting the same group in the second half uh, that started the first half, a, a group that got out to a, a, a basically gave Wisconsin the first 13 points of the game and led Tom Crean at halftime in his halftime interview to say that it looked like Wisconsin was playing in the gym by themselves. And yet he started that same group uh, again, which was Josh Newkirk. Uh, James Blackman Jr., O.G. Ananobi, Juwan Morgan, and Thomas Bryant. Uh, and those guys did not get off to a great start in the second half either. And then later in the second half, you know, the rotations down the stretch where Deron Davis only played three minutes out of the last nine despite playing really well uh, in the middle part of the second half. And then, of course, the extended time that uh, Josh McRoberts and Freddie McSwain got, including six possessions where they played together, which just served to magnify their offensive limitations. So, Andy, you know, obviously you have looked really closely at this, and I'm just curious what you think of those two decisions was the more egregious uh, as you reflect on it. I mean, I would I would say the second one. Uh, the, the starting lineup to me was odd, and I tweeted out about this before the game. I mean, if you look back at how that lineup had done uh, against the, the tougher competition that IU seen, I mean, they had been outscored by a point uh, and been used 11 different times, played really poorly against Louisville, um, got outscored by seven in one stretch and outscored by five for the total game. So, uh, it hadn't looked good. Um, I, the reason I would I would still take the the lineup decisions down the stretch is that you'd kind of overcome while you dug yourself a hole. You would overcome it and put yourself in a position uh, where you, where you might be able to win the game, and and things kind of went out the window. And I understand some of the comments afterward where you did need to get guys rest. I think the problem is that you can't rest all those guys at the same time, uh, and that's really what got IU into trouble. I mean, they, the first thing started uh, when they took out. Uh, you know, they brought McSwain in. They brought actually Bryant and Blackman in with them. Um, but they took out Davis, Johnson, and Morgan, who I would say arguably were playing the, you know, the three best players um, to that point in the second half. Um, and, and McSwain had hardly played at all, comes back in cold, um, just gets himself in a position where, you know, ends up having a turnover. Um, he was kicking it out to McRoberts on one play. Just, you know, that's a lineup where, you know, two of the five guys on the floor are not really a threat to score and both wound up handling the ball. And then things really... Uh, went south when McRoberts came out and Curtis Jones uh, came in, and he hadn't played in the whole second half, and it just played uh, a little bit over a minute over the last 20-plus minutes of game time. So, you know, in that lineup, allowed Wisconsin to score 10 points in the next four possessions, and it was kind of over uh, from there. And so I think it was really the latter, um, and then that was compounded by you took Davis out, give him a quick rest before the under-8 timeout, and bring him right back in. I mean, nobody had been more 
uh, of a focal point for IU's offense. Nobody had been more valuable to IU in that game than Jaron Davis. So um, to have him sitting for that period of time, uh, in addition to the other combinations, I think is, is difficult. And, and we brought this up on the show. It's not an indictment of McRoberts and McSwain as, as if they weren't out there you know, playing hard, trying to do things. It's just they're not they weren't being put in a position to succeed. Um, you know, McSwain and Jones coming in cold off the bench, not having played, um, and just a lineup that is just weird. And anybody uh, would be, uh, you know, would, would make the same judgment. So uh, I think it was certainly the latter. And really during that one stretch, the game really got away from IU uh, after all the work they had done to overcome the first bad decision that you brought up. Yeah, and I, I just I'm not sure that there is any rational or logical defense for that. And Ryan, it you know it kind of strikes me as a coach that is really, really searching for answers. And obviously, if the answers that you're positing as as maybe reasonable late in a game against Wisconsin when you really need to win it, if you think those answers are Zach McRoberts and, and Freddie McSwain, you know that suggests some deeper issues on this team that I almost don't want to fathom. But I think the frustration for IU fans is that it seemed like some of the kind of frantic, irrational substituting that we'd seen from Cree in the past really went away last year, and he seemed to have a much better handle on things. But again, that was an experienced team with a you know a bench that you could really count on. I think it just shows how much different this year's team is. What did you think about uh, what happened there at the end of that game against Wisconsin? Well, I think that you hit the nail on the head. Is that is it? Tom Crean knew his team inside and out last year. He, he knew exact. he had a great handle on that team. I mean, I, you know, it's one of the reasons he was big 10 coach of the year. And, and one of the reasons the team won the big 10 is he just knew that team inside and out, knew their limitations, knew what they were good at. I, I really don't see that this year. I, I think that, you know, we're into January and, and I think he doesn't know what he's going to get out of his players. And that's on the players as much as it, as it is on the coach. I think the coach has to have that handle by now. But at the same time, the players have been so inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get, not even game to game. You don't know what you're going to get possession to possession with these guys. So I, I think that he's just uh, – and this is – I'm not defending his decision to use a lineup with Zach McRoberts and Freddie McSwain, but you know, I, I think he's looking for anything he can get. And, and to be fair to Zach McRoberts, I thought he played a pretty good game. He gives you absolutely nothing on offense, but I thought he was – uh, the best player defending Bronson Koenig on, on the other night. Uh, and Freddie McSwain, you know, he played eight minutes. I think that's getting magnified a little bit, um, but he did show great energy and played good defense. I'm not sure if they should be on the floor in crunch time. I, you know, clearly it didn't work out. Um, but those were two guys who were playing well on the defensive end and gave you, but gave you nothing on the other end. And, and I think that, you know, it, it, Crean needs to find out who his team is and his team needs to find out who they are. Uh, I, I think that's as, as simple as we can make it is this team's identity needs to be found. And these players need to decide what kind of players they are. And, and everybody kind of needs to do some soul searching in Bloomington right now. It's, it's uh, you know, three losses in a row when last year you didn't have a losing streak. Um, that's, that's a big problem, especially when two of those losses come at home. Uh, you can understand losing to, losing to Louisville, losing to Wisconsin, in a vacuum and you can understand uh you know dropping those games in a row if they happen uh but but losing to nebraska thrown in there two of those games being at home and and the way that they lost them it adds up to a problem uh you can't just look at these losses in a vacuum you need to look at the trend here and and uh, you know it, this is a problem this season is not over there's a uh, there's an easy chance for indiana to turn this around uh, and certainly this team has the talent to still go out and win the Big Ten. 
but but right now the, this looks like a mid, middle of the pack team at best and, and and things need to start to turn around luckily there's a few games coming up where they might be able to kind of come together and 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 find some positives but i think that lineup decision was the result of the a microcosm of the season where tom green just did not know where to go to find answers you're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Andy, you wanted to, to hop in. You had a follow-up point there. Yeah, I mean, I think this speaks to Ryan's point of, uh, to a certain extent of, of not really having a good handle on, on where the team is. I, I look back just at the last, at those kind of the seven non-cupcake games is what we've been referring to them as. And if you look through that, over that stretch, they've played 92 different lineups over seven over those seven games. And only 25 of those have been used for three minutes or more. So if you start thinking about familiarity with guys, playing on the court at the same time, getting used to one another, what to expect, that's an awful lot of, of turnover that you have there. And then you spin that forward a little bit more and you start looking at minutes per game and just minutes in that stretch. Um, I think if we went through and guessed who we thought was or who should be playing the most minutes, it doesn't necessarily shake out that way. I mean, Blackman's playing the most, um, not shocking to anyone. Newkirk playing the second most, even more than Thomas Bryant, um, a decent amount more than Robert Johnson in those games. Uh, and, and the other one that really stands out is Deron Davis. Uh, while some of these are counting games early in the season when his conditioning might not have been as good, has still only played 84 minutes in those seven games in total. And I think we've certainly seen over the last you know, month of the season, I'll kind of give you the, yeah, he wasn't ready for the Kansas game to play big minutes, but um, that has to start to shift a little bit and, and provide some stability from a lineup standpoint where um, these guys get used to playing with one another. We find combinations at work and go back to those regularly uh, as opposed to just trying things out because in the second half of that Wisconsin game, I mean, almost every lineup saved um, the group that started the half was a lineup that didn't play together, even in the first half of that game. Um, so I think you see that in NBA teams where you've got these specific units where the guys will play together. Maybe IU can't get to that point, um, but it certainly felt that way last year, and it seems like something that's missing this year. Again, maybe that's just grasping for for answers uh, and you know, kind of throwing guys out there and seeing what sticks. Um, but we're 15 games into the season, and that has to stop at some point. Yeah, boy, that's the, that's interesting about Newkirk playing the second most minutes, and he's been been a guy that's been a lightning rod for you know for hot takes among IU fans because he's had you know some good moments. I thought he played well in the North Carolina game, but he's been so up and down. And to have a guy that's been that inconsistent, not only playing so many minutes, but also handling the ball as much as he as he does when he's in. You know, we did see him play a little bit less uh, in that second half against Wisconsin. So I don't know if that'll be a trend going forward. But you hope that Deron Davis getting more minutes will be because he's actually been one of the guys that Tom Crane can count the most on, which is interesting for a freshman. I mean, Ryan, as you look forward you know, what lineup would you start? Because I think it's important that Indiana gets off to good starts considering, you know, how fragile it feels like this team's confidence is. They can't continue to to bury themselves early and have to come back. And, and what do you think is Indiana's best five right now? I mean, is it sad that it's hard to identify? I mean, at yes. this point of the season, it, it's, it's pretty depressing that it's hard to identify. Uh, I, I don't think Deron Davis should start right now. Uh, but I think he's one of the five best players, if that makes sense. Uh, I, I, I still think that he is, well, he is a freshman, and I think it's better for some, you know, most for the most part, I tend to lean towards freshmen coming off the bench. You know, that doesn't mean he shouldn't play a lot of minutes. I just think that uh, your starters should be guys who you can rely on to establish things well. Unfortunately, with this team, you can't. Um, if I had to pick the five best players, 
when they're playing their best, I mean, because you, you, you know, inconsistency has been a huge problem here. But I'd say it's it's OG Ananobi, Jawan Morgan, uh, Thomas Bryant, uh, Robert Johnson, and I guess James Blackman Jr. I, I that fifth spot is up up in the air because James has been so inconsistent lately, and especially with the defense. Um, but I think that's the best five players. And, and I think that's the lineup we probably would have gotten uh, against Wisconsin had Robert Johnson not been sick. Um, he, you know, as we found out after the game, had been battling a, you know, a bug for a couple days and almost didn't, you know, there were some rumbles that he wasn't going to play. So uh, I, I think he would have started in place of Newkirk. That's my opinion uh, with that lineup, but he obviously was on the bench to open the game. Um, but yeah, I think that's your best five to start. And then I think Deron Davis is the first player off the bench. If Thomas Bryant doesn't do what he's supposed to do and, and get into the paint and go to work. I mean, uh, you know, uh, that's, that's the key here. And, and OG Ananobi too, I, I ripped Thomas Bryant in the intro, but OG Ananobi too, if, if this guy's a lottery pick and, and, and he's moving to the next level, he's got to show it. And his lack of, uh, you know, energy and emotion and focus for 40 minutes has, has been a problem for Indiana. Um, you know, he was four or four from the field against Wisconsin, I mean, 9.6 rebounds. It, that's nowhere near as good as he is. And, and, and he played some solid defense on Nigel Hayes, but he's got to give something on the other end of the floor and he's got to be smarter. He turned the ball over four times. Uh, you know, he and Thomas are your stars and they need to be better. Andy, quickly, your thoughts on the lineup. Yeah. So, well, it's funny. I looked at that lineup as Ryan was talking about it. That group has played together in those seven non-cupcake games. They've only played together four different times uh, for a total of about ten and a half minutes, and they were outscored by four points. So um, certainly not one we've seen used a lot. I think most fans would probably argue that's uh, the one they would want to see as well, but uh, not one that's been used a lot in those games. So curious to see if that changes going forward. Wow. All right. Well, coming up, we turn our attention to the biggest keys for Indiana to turn its season around. We all identify the biggest things that need to change moving forward. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You're listening to The Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on The Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. You can join us after every IU basketball game over at assemblycall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. Guys, let's start looking forward, and let's talk about what needs to change for Indiana to get its season back on track. And frankly, I think the answer is simple. I think Robert Johnson and James Blackman Jr. have to take this team by the the lapels of their shirt, take them and lead them, and when things start going badly on the court, they have to be the guys that get things organized. When a shot needs to be made, like in the second half against Wisconsin, James Blackman Jr. needs to be a guy who can make it, and he only took two shots. We saw how important he was against Kansas and North Carolina. It is not a surprise that as he struggled against Louisville and struggled against Wisconsin, so did Indiana. But I think we have seen 
how glaring the absence of a guy like Yogi Ferrell is on this year's team to make big plays and just to be a calming influence when things start to crumble within a game. And I think if Indiana is going to turn this season around, as much as all the other guys need to improve and settle into their roles, there have to be leaders who step up and say, follow me, let's go. And I think those two guys have to be Robert Johnson and James Blackman Jr., not only because they handle the ball so much, but because they're the most experienced players, have been in the program the longest, have played the most minutes, they have to be the guys that everybody else can count on. And unless they provide a more firm foundation, I think this team is going to continue to struggle. So that's who I think. And of course, as you listen, we want you to, to chime in as well. Tweet us at Assembly Call with what you think is the biggest key for this season getting turned around. And, and let's hear, Ryan, what you think. What's the most important thing that needs to happen for Indiana to get this season back on track? I hate to keep harping on him because I love the kid, but it's Thomas Bryant. I'm sorry. He needs to become an All-American. He needs to play up to his potential, and he needs to do what he does does best and and play the right way, play how he is supposed to play, and play like a big man. Look, he's a big man. He's 6'10", 260 pounds, but he's not Kevin Durant. He doesn't belong on the perimeter. I get occasionally you want to screen and roll in case it's going to be open, but every time he sets a screen on the perimeter, he 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 – uh, he pops to the perimeter instead of rolling to the hoop. And, and occasionally you want to pop out, you know, to make the defense, you know, give him a different look and all that stuff. And maybe if you're wide open, take a three, cause we know he can hit those occasionally. Uh, but that's not his game. That doesn't need to be the focus of the game. He should be screen and roll to the hoop every time and set up in the paint and, and start establishing position and start going to work down there. He is the best player on this team as far as what he can accomplish in a game and 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 the touchstone this team needs to build around and fly around and in 15 games he's been in double figures only eight times i mean and one of them showed exactly what he could do the opener against kansas he was 19 he had 19 points 10 rebounds dominated against north carolina 12.7 rebounds and he dumped excuse me dominated the inside of the paint i mean on offense and defense that's what he's capable of, and he's not showing it. Uh, there is not a big man in the Big Ten who can stop him. That is, I mean, I know that's a bold statement. People love Caleb Swanigan. They love Ethan Happ. They love some of these guys. Nobody can stop Thomas Bryant if he puts his mind to it, and this team needs him right now. I mean, he's a, he's a team-first guy. We've heard that since he stepped on campus. He's such a uh, an emotional and just fight guy who's fired up all the time to lead this team. And he's got to start playing smarter and playing better and playing focused basketball. He's an emotional guy. We know that we see that that emotion needs to be focused and focused on playing the right way and playing smart. Andy, what do you think? Biggest key for IU turning its season around? Well, I think in somewhat tempting to say turnovers, but if you look back at last year in, in conference play, IU ranked last in turnover rate uh, last season as well. Um, and so while I'm not advocating for additional turnovers, I also don't know that that's a, a thing that this year's team is going to be able to fix. And they're also probably headed on their way to, to finishing in the same spot uh, this year. But I think what you do see when you look back uh, at that is defensively. Uh, this team has just gone off the rails defensively. Um, they played played really well against North Carolina on the defensive end. Actually, even in the Fort Wayne game, you know, held them to less than a point per possession. But if you look at these last four games against the the non-cupcake teams, Butler 1.19 points per possession. So for for those who aren't 
terribly familiar with this, about one is is average. So anything up in the 1.2 range is not good at all. So Butler, 1.19. Nebraska, 1.21. Louisville, 1.17 for a team. You know, Nebraska and Louisville, not teams that are, are that put up gaudy offensive numbers by any means that, that typically win with defense. And Wisconsin, 1.23. You're going to beat very few people playing defense that way and allowing teams uh, to score that easily. And IU continues to struggle with communication on screens uh, and and – you know, and seem to to really struggle with how they want to play certain ball screen scenarios where you know they seem to take a different approach at different times during the game, particularly against Louisville, and not really have a clear picture of of what their philosophy is and how they want to handle that. Um, and so, to me, while the offense has has sputtered at times, and we can talk lineups and we can talk all those kinds of things, this team has too many guys that are that are good athletes to be this poor uh, defensively and this unaware. Uh, defensively, because so many times that's what it is, and, and you know, guys cutting from the top of the key to the basket with you know nobody uh, along the way there trying to you know do anything about it, and, and so uh, that level of awareness is what leads to a guy like McRoberts playing. Like Ryan said, he did a good job in Bronson Koenig and just was generally um, more aware, I think, than most guys. So it's, to me, it's defense. Um, that was really when things started to turn the corner for last year's team is when you started to really feel like you could trust them defensively, and this team is a long way away from that. You were listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we're trying to figure out what needs to change for Indiana to turn its season around. Obviously, a lot does. And I'll tell you the other thing I think needs to change is coach and team need to get more in sync, Andy. You know, it's like you talk about the defense, and we often hear Tom Crean talking about how we're not an overhelp team, and yet we consistently see Indiana overhelping and giving up wide-open three-pointers, and then Tom Crean will lament in the postgame about how we overhelp too much. You know, he talks about the offense, and, you know, we need more movement, and we need more cutting, and we need more, you know, to move the ball with the pass, not the dribble, and yet we've seen now game after game against good teams Indiana do exactly the opposite of that. And so, Ryan, I'm just curious, you know, what needs to happen for that to happen? And I know it's kind of an impossible question because we're not there in practice, but, you know, there's just there seems to be such a disconnect between what Tom Crean says he wants his players to do and what's actually happening out there on the court. And I really have a hard time believing that anything is going to get turned around if coach and team seem to be on different pages like they do right now. Oh, I mean, this is a this is a a mental and philosophical thing that needs to happen. This isn't about practicing or or getting in the gym and doing the X, Y, and Z. Other than OGN and Obi's free throws, this team. I mean, it, it, this team knows what it has to do. I mean, and and, and it, it's it's not about repetition. It's not about you know any of that stuff. It's completely between the ears of this team. And, and this is the kind of thing where there needs to be a meeting with the team and they need to decide what kind of team they want to be because they're capable. They're certainly capable of being uh, a final four contender. We've seen that from this team. I'm sorry. We have, I mean, we, we have the evidence, you know, I can go back and watch them go toe to toe and slug it out with Kansas or essentially dominate North Carolina and, and, and do whatever they wanted to do in that game. Um, but then we also have the evidence that this team when not focused and not playing the right way and playing how it's supposed to play can lose to Fort Wayne can lose to Nebraska. And and so it's no surprise that they lost to a very good Louisville team or allowed a Wisconsin team to just do what it wanted to do and impose its will. Uh, So I think this is, this is, this is a team meeting thing that needs to happen. These guys need to come together. And as you said, astutely, they need to have some leadership and they need James Blackman, Jr. Josh Newkirk, Thomas Bryant, Robert Johnson, somebody needs to step up and say, Hey, 
this is what we need to do because it's more important that they hold each other accountable than it is that the coach holds them accountable because they're with each other all the time. They're friends, they're close, they're tight that, you know, they're the brothers essentially in this endeavor. They need to hold each other accountable more than the coach because the coach at times can be like dad and everybody can lament dad, you know, looking over your shoulder, but those guys need to, focus and be in there together and and hold each other accountable more than it needs to come from the coach. It needs to come internally from the team. Well, and you know, we haven't seen yet a Tom Crean team really succeed without obviously strong internal leadership. And so I I think that's a great point. I mean, and, and I think the other thing, Ryan, you know, you said these guys know what they need to do. And I sometimes wonder, like I sometimes wonder, Andy, if they really do understand what the game plan is and what their role is supposed to be. And whether that's a miscommunication on the coaches or their unwillingness to accept what the role is supposed to be, I don't know. But, you know, I wonder if it's something where they understand and they're just not doing it or if they're even struggling to understand it in the first place. Well, I mean, I think we've talked about this with, you know, Newkirk is, is certainly one we've talked about this with is really trying to understand what he what his true role is on the team and, and watching him. You, you know, think through every motion that he has on the court when he dribbles into the lane, but then there's not a shot there. Like, what do I need to do? Uh, what do I need to do next? I think some of that just ties back to how do you put these guys in positions to succeed? Um, we talked about that at the, then, you know, in the, the McRoberts and McSwain group. But those guys aren't in a position to succeed when they're together. When McRoberts was out there with four stronger players who were playing well together, he was perfectly fine to put out there. Um, and I think it, it comes back to more of that, that part of that's the rotation part of that's the lineup stuff. But, um, you know, I think when we start talking about leadership, uh, some of that needs to start with, you know, Johnson and Blackman, give them specific roles. Does Johnson need to be the guy that, um, that really initiates the offense because you see him struggle with at the end of the game the other night, doesn't come back to even, you know, have Juwan Morgan inbound the ball to him because he's used to Juwan Morgan bringing the ball up the court. Maybe that's not what it was. I don't know, but you know, you start to see some of these guys who are really unsure of their role and we get back to the whole, you know, positionless doesn't mean roleless basketball. Um, and I think there are very few guys at this point who really understand what that role is. Uh, and, and in some cases they're being asked to do things that, that they may just not be capable of at this time in their development. Uh, and, and that's part of Crean's job is to recognize that and make those adjustments. Ryan, you had an additional thought here. Well, I, a friend of mine texted me, uh, sent me a text after the Wisconsin game. And he said, you know, he's not an Indiana fan, but he's a, he's a college basketball fan. And he said, man, I've watched this team a couple times this year. And, and he said, I've watched them, you know, beat North Carolina and Kansas. And I've watched them lose really badly. He said like this team, he said straight up and he's right. This team has more talent than last year. What happened? Like what's different? What are they missing? And I had a four letter response and it's Yogi. That's what they're missing. And I don't mean they're missing Yogi Ferrell, you know, in person. I mean, they're missing that kind of guy. I mean, when things were going wrong last year, this team could rely on Yogi Ferrell to do something, to hit a three, to drive in the lane and find somebody open, to take the ball with 10 seconds on the shot clock when things were going badly on offense and just make something happen. Uh, whether he succeeded at making something happen or not, they had the confidence that he would. And, and this team doesn't have anybody to do that right now, and it needs to, it needs to happen. Uh, teams have bad offensive possessions. Every team does that every game. Uh, but it's about having the confidence that when the chips are down, you haven't you have 
something to fall back on. And right now, this team does not have someone to someone or something to fall back on. And, and I will even add to that that it's more than just Yogi because Yogi played poorly in that Rutgers game. Who stepped up? Max and Ryan Burton. You know, everybody played poorly in that Notre Dame game. Who stepped up? Troy Williams. So it was more kind of what what Yogi represents as you're explaining, which is that leadership, that experience to be able to step up when something really needs to happen, plays need to be made, you know, chaos needs to be settled. And Indiana had that last year, whether it was Yogi or Max or Nick or Troy or Ryan, and that's what they're missing this year. And whereas last year's team had, you know, sometimes five of those guys, this year's team hasn't yet shown that it even has one. And that absolutely is going to have to change moving forward for Indiana to turn its season around. All right, well, coming up in our final segment, we're going to take a quick look ahead at Indiana's next two opponents and then also give you our not-so-bold but reasonable predictions for the upcoming week in IU basketball. That's next. Stay with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris talking IU basketball with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Wrapping up another episode of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, Andy, let's take a quick look ahead. Indiana has a couple of games this week against Illinois and at Maryland. What's awaiting the Hoosiers? Uh, You know, Illinois, uh, I hesitate to call anything a game that IU should win after the Nebraska game, but Illinois falls in that category. Um, They've been really up and down this year. Uh, lost their their only Big Ten road game by 25 points at Maryland and uh, and eked out a win at home against Ohio State. So uh, should be there. The guy really to stop uh, for them is Malcolm Hill. He averages almost 19 a game. Uh, so really really talented player. Uh, be interested to see whether that's a Juwan Morgan, OG Robert Johnson who, who really draws that assignment. That will go a long way toward determining uh, the outcome of that game. Uh, and Maryland is, is a team that's put up a pretty gaudy record. Uh, just uh, lost to Nebraska last last Sunday. Uh, as well, but have played a ton of close games. So uh, a, a bonus prediction is that that game is probably going to be close. They've had a lot of one-point victories that they've come out on the uh, on the winning side of, and so maybe losing to Nebraska by two uh, was was that luck evening out a little bit. Um, and you know, again, there Melo Trimble, really a guy to watch. They've got a number of other young uh, young players who are playing big minutes for them. Freshmen uh, Justin Jackson, Anthony Cowan, uh, Kevin Herter. You know, three of their top five scorers are all freshmen. So a uh, little bit inexperienced there, uh, guys surrounding Melo Trimble, but they've found ways to win close games uh, in large part because of him. All righty. Well, let's take a quick look back at last week. This is, of course, the segment now where we offer you our reasonable predictions for the upcoming week. We started out doing bold predictions, but this team has been so unpredictable that that proved foolhardy. And even our reasonable predictions aren't coming through as well as they should. Uh, Last week, Andy, you said the bench would provide a lift against Louisville, 15 points off the bench. Indiana had 21, although it was Juwan and OG coming off the bench, who we all think should be starters. So... You know, well, we're going to give you credit for that, but it's with a bit of an asterisk. Uh, Ryan said Indiana would beat Louisville. I said James Blackman Jr. would score 20-plus points. And so, Ryan, we continued uh, our really poor predicting. We're both 0-6. Andy is 2-4. and So he's jumped out to a bit of a lead on us there. Um, but let's look ahead to this week. Indiana plays Saturday against Illinois. Indiana plays Tuesday at Maryland. Uh, Ryan, I can already see what your prediction is, and so we're going to hold off on it for a second because, frankly, it's the most pathetic attempt at a bold prediction that I've ever heard. But sadly, we're at hey, that we're point doing, in the season. So. <laughs> we're doing reasonable predictions, I thought. <laughs> I know, and, and strangely, I mean, it. Uh, I know. We'll, we'll get to it in a second. The fact that it even registers on the prediction scale is sad. Uh, Andy, what is your reasonable prediction for the upcoming week in IU basketball? 
boy, that's a that's a tough one. I'm gonna, I'm going to say they get back to shooting the ball uh, a little bit better. They've not shot it well the last two weeks. Luckily, neither of the games this week is at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, so that hopefully uh, hopefully bodes well. So I'm going to say they hit a combined. Uh, I'm going to say 18 threes between the two games. 18 threes between the two games. You don't want to go even bolder and say they'll do 18 against Illinois, as I believe they've done in the past against the Illini. <laughs> I was at the Illinois game last year when they uh, when they. <laughs> lit them up but i i think that's probably a bit too that that definitely would fall back into the bold to stupidly bold range that i thought we were trying to avoid <laughs> yes. and that ryan clearly intends to avoid yes. okay ryan let, let's offer your prediction what, what do you got for us this week i i predict that indiana will end its losing streak that is my prediction i can throw in that i think i'll be the first one to finish my steak at, at Bagrip on friday night but uh <laughs> if you'd like but uh no, I I believe that the, I think that's bold at this point because this team is sinking fast, and I think I think it's bold to say that they'll end the losing streak. We've seen no indication that this is going to turn around. Uh, so yeah, I I I I know Illinois is not a good team, but I mean Indiana lost to Nebraska and has played like garbage. So I I I think a win on the horizon is that. I think that's reasonably bold. Uh, to combine the two, since we're giving we're giving a reasonable and bold predictions, I think Indiana gets it together against Illinois and, and gets a win. It's really sad that that's where we're at in this season. That you think it's okay to, a, to offer a reasonable prediction that Indiana beating Illinois, a team that no one even thinks is an NCAA tournament to Ryan's team. character. I it's, think that's the big takeaway for me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what, guys? Not only does Indiana need a slump buster in these predictions, I need a slump buster. So I'm going with it. All right. All right. Uh, my prediction is that, and this is going to sound really, really silly, uh, is that Indiana wins the turnover battle against Illinois. I know you're all chuckling, but in the midst of your chuckles, just hear me out here, uh, because Indiana has barely even come close in any of its seven games that have mattered this season in the turnover battle. But perhaps mercifully, Illinois is almost as bad at turnovers as Indiana is. The, the Illini are turning it over on 20.1% of their possessions. Uh, Indiana turning it over on 21.8% of their possessions. So I think being at home and, and hopefully a team that really comes out, you know, with their hair on fire, but also playing smarter to correct their mistakes, which is so important in this game. And I think Indiana does that. Uh, and frankly, Andy, I, we're going to be sitting right behind the Illini bench at that game. So I'm kind of looking forward to watching John Gross uh, try and deal with his team turning it over more than Indiana. Um, because obviously that would be very sad for the Illini, um, but a nice change of an awful trend for Indiana if it can happen. So we'll see. Yeah, here. definitely positive in the role reversal uh, category for IU for sure. Yeah, it would be nice. It would be nice. So. I don't know. You know, we'll see. Again, we'd love to get your bold predictions, so tweet them to us at Assembly Call. Feel free to email them to me, however you want to get them to us. Uh, you know, look, guys, in our final couple minutes here, I mean, this is a, a, a huge game, and I know it's against Illinois. You know, and Ryan, we're kind of joking about, you know, how it's a bold prediction that Indiana wins, but, I mean, can this game be considered anything other than a must-win for Indiana at this I know it's early in January, but, I mean, I don't even want to fathom what happens if Indiana drops this game at home. No, it is a must win. Uh, you can't lose three home games and expect to contend in the Big Ten. You just can't. I mean, there's no there's no way around that. And to lose three in a row to open conference play uh, and to have all three of those games be at home, that's unacceptable. And so that needs to, uh, yeah, this is this is this that needs to sort itself out. And this is a must win, certainly. And Andy, I mean, that is a term that gets thrown around a little bit too much. But again, I mean, do you disagree? Can this game be looked at as anything other than a game that Indiana absolutely has to get? 
No, because I think you also start layering in other factors. I, you know, a lot of people are saying the Big Ten is out the window, you know, losing two home games and, and losing a, a heads-up game to one of your top competitors. But I think you lose three home games, that certainly goes out the window. And, and you're also seeing a team that is, you know, careening toward the bubble at that point. And uh, as somebody who, who does that, I do not look forward to another year of uh, constant questions from IU fans about whether I use in or out as we, as we saw a couple years ago. So uh, while the attention is delightful, um, that's not really the kind of question I want to feel like I'm answering over and over again. And, and I think it starts to really become a legitimate question at that point if they, if they lose this game. Yeah, well, it's crazy that we're in that position, you know, given the big wins that Indiana had early in the season. But the Kansas win, the North Carolina win, now firmly in the rearview mirror. And as we've said, you know, that Fort Wayne game now looking a lot more like the Canary in the coal mine than the the aberration that we thought. And so Indiana has a big opportunity on Saturday to start to get this season back on track. You know, not all is lost yet, as frustrating as this has been. This can still be an experience, a three-game experience that Indiana looks back on as something that helped propel it toward its goals, and that needs to start on Saturday if it is going to happen. All righty, well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com after the IU-Illinois and IU-Maryland games for our post-game show, or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to hoosierproud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off, and thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.